to Fantasy Football Today, DFS. I am your host. I mean, not really, but Frank is feeling a little bit under the weather. It's not COVID-related like it is with the rest of the National Football League right now, but I'll be taking over this week. I have my trusted co-analyst, Mike McClure, with me. And today on the pod, we're going to be recapping week 14. We're going to see who won our FFT DFS contest. We're going to do our Are You Serious segment, of course. And then we're going to take a look, like we do every week, at week 15 pricing. It's a bunch of moving targets right now with the COVID issues. Mike, how are you doing? First, tell me, how was your week 14? And how are you kind of addressing early in the week, week 15, with all of these different issues floating about? Yeah, week 14 was good. I thought it was going to be really good. And then we had some late game overtimes uh, in two pretty popular games with big big name players scoring late, Jamar Chase, uh, Kittle, and then, of course, that just the game, Josh Allen and all that going. So still ended up very profitable, but I thought it was going to be like monumentally profitable at one point. Uh, but it did hit all my betting side picks as well. So very good week. And then this week, it's, yeah, you mentioned it, moving target. Um, you know, I'm running numbers for one game and all of a sudden a huge key piece ruled out for COVID. Uh, and, and I feel like it's just the beginning. I feel like we're going to have a ton of news over the next 24 hours here. Yeah, I, I think the same is true. I mean, the, the good news, if you want to call it good news, at least for the main slate, is that I think a lot of value is going to open up. It's going to give you, and, and I guess that's good news and bad news. I mean, everybody gets the benefit of value. It's just a matter of whether you're choosing the right value, right? So I, I think that's one thing to monitor as we see guys maybe uh, not be able to play on Sunday on the main slate. We, we're going to have to address you know, where the value opens up. And of course, that's what we're going to do on the Thursday show. But on this show, we're also going to talk about you know, what we see as value right now. And that's sort of where the week 15 uh, early pricing comes in. Before we get to that, though, let's let's talk about the cash games from this last week, from week 14. Let's do some lineup reviews. Uh, the cash line was around 128, 129 points. That was sort of the threshold to get you into the cash. Uh, that was lower than week 13. Taysom Hill was a popular player, as we expected, 56% owned. And thank you, Garbage Time, because Taysom Hill really benefited in the last couple minutes of that game uh, when the opposing team, like they usually are, uh, it was pretty much in give-up mode. Uh, three running backs over 30% owned. All were pretty underwhelming. Uh, Antonio Gibson, extremely un- underwhelming. Eckler was underwhelming. He probably still would have been underwhelming if he didn't get hurt, but that certainly didn't help. Josh Jacobs, a guy I was on pretty much universally. He was also very underwhelming. Alvin Kamara came through at 23%. Uh, He was very good. And four wide receivers were over 20% owned last week in cash. Mike Williams, Jamison Crowder, Hunter Renfro, Chris Godwin. Uh, Austin Hooper was chalk, and he was good. Five catches, 30 yards, and a touchdown. So, Mike, let's talk about your lineup first. You put up 173 points, 173.30 points. Normally, you know, if you're watching us on YouTube, we do have the lineup to put up. But I'll just, without Frank, I'll just say the, your your team out loud. It was Taysom Hill, Alvin Kamara, Antonio Gibson, Tyreek Hill, Hunter Renfro, Josh Palmer, who was a, a hot discussion topic last week, Austin Hooper, Mark Andrews, Saints defense, um, I'll, I'll tell you, all three of us use Taysom Hill in, in our main cash lines. But tell me about that lineup, Mike. I mean, obviously you have Taysom with Alvin Kamara. Was there any worry there knowing that you have a running quarterback and obviously Alvin Kamara with it? Obviously, we talked about an- Antonio Gibson, and I don't think we need to address that. We thought because of the volume, he was going to get there. Then, of course, Hunter Renfro seemed like a great play. Austin Hooper, because of the injuries. 
Um, so let's start with the Taysom Hill, Alvin Kamara thing, and then maybe you can address uh, Josh Palmer and whether or not you think he met expectations with respect to your cash lineup. Yeah, so Taysom Hill, Alvin Kamara, I uh, did talk about it a little bit on last Thursday's show, is that would be the way that I would be using Taysom Hill if I used him at all. Just the combination of, look, I, and I obviously I bet on the Saints minus five last week, so I was very invested in this team. I was very confident that they were the better team. I was very confident that the other team would struggle, which would put them in good field position a lot of the time. Uh, but my thought process here was I actually used the Saints defense in the lineup as well. So all in on the Saints here. Mm-hmm. I was basically going to attack almost all of the scoring offensively and then benefit from the defense having such a strong matchup. So in my theory here, Taysom Hill or Alvin Kamara were going to be heavily involved with the touchdown scoring. The probability of anyone else running a touchdown in wasn't necessarily going to happen for me. And then Taysom Hill obviously can still throw a touchdown pass in where he would have a piece of it. But I felt very comfortable that I would be attacking the majority, if not all, of the offensive scoring outside of field goals for the Saints lineup by having both Taysom Hill and Alvin Kamara. And then I also mentioned on the last show, uh, it was mostly due to the price, right? So 7,900, decent on Kamara. But when you pair him with another player at only Mm 5,600, it was actually a relatively cheap way or affordable way to get exposure to all of the scoring for that offense. Um, As far as the rest of the lineup, you know, Hunter Renfro, came through for me in a nice way. Tyreek Hill was the bring back on the other side there. Really, really got hurt by a non-competitive game in that one. Tyreek Hill came up, tweaked the ankle a little bit on one of the plays. Didn't really return after that. Had a, you know, pretty slow four catches, 76 yards. Obviously, would have looked a lot better if he'd landed in the end zone, but uh, just a product of the game not being competitive. And then Josh Palmer, uh, I stuck with it. I almost played him and Guyton together. I ended up with just Palmer, um, was on it. Basically all week thought that he would be taking over the Mike Williams role. Turns out they both scored touchdowns in this game. They both were heavily involved. Both ended up being better plays than Mike Williams in terms of how, you know, the point per dollar. So uh, I played him. I, I think that he, you know, he came through five catches, 66 yards. Obviously landing in the end zone helps a lot when you're $3,000. So I, you know, if he just had five catches, 66 yards, it's probably a lot closer to where we were projecting him in terms of the medium projection. But uh I will always be happy about the touchdown variance. And then Mark Andrews. I know a lot of people talk about – I was very high on the Ravens. Um, ended up they, – they came back and covered the spread, had them mostly in teasers. But uh, Mark Andrews was in every one of my lineups. Uh, at 5% owned here, he made a massive difference. He benefited from some garbage time. You know, he was fine at 5 and 50, you know, before – you know, at halftime-ish, basically, before the injury set in. But uh, I, I was very pleased to see him perform. Yeah, I really liked uh, Mark Andrews, and I didn't play it. What I what I mean is, looking back, I, I liked Mark Andrews and and Kittle in in GPPs and cash games, especially GPPs because you know, and, and this is something I was a victim of as well. I was either paying up for Travis Kelsey or I was dropping down to a punt tight end. But what what a lot of people probably should have considered, which Mike obviously you did, and I think you talked about. I know you talked about it on Tuesday and Thursday, particularly with respect to Mark Andrews, is that. Listen, like you paying up for these tight ends really matters, especially these these dynamic tight ends that that where the constant the, the target share is really concentrated on them. And we know with that Ravens offense, it's Mark Andrews and it's Marquise Brown. You know, last week there was a little bit of Rashad Bateman. That was mostly when the backup came in, when Huntley came in. But the point is, I, I just think Mark Andrews, it was such a smash play. So so good for you uh, for doing that. Let me ask you this, just from a GPP standpoint. Would you have considered the same thing, Taysom Hill, Alvin Kamara, and the Saints defense in a GPP? Because it seems like it's more of a GPP play 
but I don't know if you would have considered it there. Yeah, and I, I think a lot of viewers, if you've been watching for several weeks, um, you know, I play a little different style. I'm more willing to do things even in cash games that seem more like tournaments. So, yeah, I have the defense correlated with the running back. I basically, Taysom Hill was a running back that gets the benefit of throwing passes, and I can play him in the quarterback spot. So, yes, I, I definitely would have done it in a tournament. I definitely will do it in cash games. Um, the reason why also is I like to try to find ways to get exposure to those situations that, frankly, everyone knows about and still be different. And the combination of having Hill, Kamara, and the defense, when you have the defense at 6% owned, it just gets you different. And when you look at Taysom Hill and the way he scores points, the way he scores points is by either running the ball or running the ball in the red zone, right? Alvin Kamara, same thing. So if they're likely to have bigger days that hit their median or above, the defense is likely to be playing well and putting them in position to, to take advantage of those opportunities. So that was kind of the thought process there. Um, as a lot of you have seen, if you follow the show a long time, uh, once I find a spot or two that I like, I go extremely overweight on those and have a ton of conviction in those isolated spots. Speaking of conviction, uh, my cash lineup, which spell, which fell about four to five points short of the cash line. So it wasn't terrible. It just wasn't good enough. I had a lot of conviction this week on, on going in on the running back chalk, both in cash and GPP. And that was Josh Jacobs, which in cash was about 40%. Antonio Gibson, 65, technically 64.8%. So 65% there. You know, I, I knew I was playing chalk and GPP as well. I was going to get different in other places. And so it just didn't end up working out because we know that there was more chalk at the running back position beyond Josh Jacobs and Antonio Gibson. For example, Javante Williams. If I if I had maybe had one of those guys in my GPPs or my cash lineup, it would have been different. But let me just go over real quick my cash lineup, which again, scored about 124. I had Taysom Hill, which worked out great. 56% owned. Austin Eckler, 43% owned. Josh Jacobs, Chris Godwin, CeeDee Lamb, Laquan Treadwell. That's where I got a little bit different. Saved some money. I obviously probably could and should have gone with Josh Palmer or Jalen Guyton there because they were both in that price range. Uh, but again, it didn't work out for me there. Austin Hooper, Antonio Gibson, Panthers defense, which was really 20% owned, pretty chalky. Uh, they didn't really work out. So, uh, you know, Mike, I, I don't really know what you think of this lineup. It wasn't super correlated because I did have uh, Taysom Hill in there. I had Josh Jacobs, but I didn't bring it back with any Kansas City Chiefs. But I did think I was going for guys here, regardless of correlation, that were just high volume guys. It just didn't work out, particularly in the case of Eckler, Jacobs, and Antonio Gibson. Any thoughts about my lineup construction? Maybe something you would have done different? No, not really. I mean, I, I was overly aggressive on Alvin Kamara myself. Um, you know, I made some pretty manual adjustments. I, I liked him over Eckler just because I thought Eckler was going to be super popular because of Keenan Allen missing and a positive game script, projective game script against those giants. Um, but no, I mean, when you, when you like Eckler and you have him rated there, I mean, it's, you know, ran bad on the variant. So, you know, he connected with Josh Palmer, he connected with Guyton on a deep ball, and Eckler got hurt. And, you know, there's not much you can do there. Gibson, you know, uh, probably talk about that in a little bit, but that, that was a frustrating one with Gibson. Um, no, you played the high volume uh, players that, you know, th there's absolutely nothing wrong with that approach in a cash game. Yeah. And if I could take one thing back, I think Laquan Treadwell was a good play, but probably a better play for GPP than cash. I probably should have just followed along with Jalen Guyton. In this case, I probably would have played Josh Palmer and that clearly would have gotten me there. It would have gotten me to the cash. So it's just one of those things where, you know, you know, when you're talking about your punt wide receivers, 
maybe the best idea, it, you know, obviously the best idea here would have been to play the chalk punt receiver in cash and then play the 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 true punt non-owned receiver in GPP. So if going back, that's probably what I'd change there. And I would say on that too, it just shows you how narrow the margins can be at times, right? So you played Austin Eckler and Treadwell. I probably would not have played Eckler and Josh Palmer together. So like a potential 2v2 that you could have been entertaining, which I know you were entertaining because you talked about him being in your player pool. You could have, in theory, played Alvin Kamara and Josh Palmer, taken the Kamara side and then still got exposure mm -hmm. there. And you're talking, what, like a 40-point difference in your lineup, 30-point yeah. difference in your lineup? It's just a drastic, you know, and objectively, like there was no real difference. It was a true coin flip in terms of projection ahead of the game, right? Just like yeah. absolute coin flip. So just to show you... Uh, how crazy the variance can be in that spot. And then all of a sudden you'd be talking about how great the lineup was, right? Exactly. You know, that that really is the difference because I, I ended up playing about half Kamara, half Eckler when it came to my GPP. Yeah. So I, it just, that one little switch, uh, it, you know, I thought they'd both get there. I didn't think that was going to be an important piece of my cash lineup. Turns out it was. But so let's talk about Frank. Uh, Frank actually made the cash as well. He had 143.70 points. He had Taysom Hill, like we all did. Alvin Kamara, like Mike did. Antonio Gibson, like I did. Chris Godwin, Josh Palmer, Julio Jones, Austin Hooper, Austin Eckler, Seahawks D. The only guy, and I think we talked about this before the games kicked off, the only guy that I, I wasn't necessarily big on here was Julio Jones. But, Mike, I think the rest of this lineup is, is great. I mean, first of all, he has Austin Eckler and Alvin Kamara and Antonio Gibson in the same lineup, which to me is just great. And then you have Taysom Hill in there, so you're getting savings, but you're definitely getting a great cash piece. And then at the receiver position, you save money with Josh Palmer. I know I had recommended to uh, to Frank uh, in our in our text chat. Maybe instead of Julio Jones, maybe you go with a Jarvis Landry or a Cole Beasley. Uh, and I think maybe he didn't go with Jarvis because he had Austin Hooper in there. I totally understand that. Anything about this lineup though that that is worth criticism? I I really don't think so. Outside of maybe the Julio Jones call, I wasn't super big on that. Yeah, for me, it would be the Julio Jones call, but I, I get it. Like, in theory, the volume should be there. Um, you know, just for me, it hasn't materialized, so it's someone that I, I stay away from. Um, but other than that, yeah, I mean, I, I personally would have played Landry, but I was very clearly higher on that that game environment overall than, than pretty mm -hmm. much everyone was. So I totally get not wanting to play him with Hooper. But as far as the running backs, I you know, finding a way to get Eckler, Kamara, and Gibson in there, uh, two of the three underperformed and should not have, frankly. Um, you know, he could have a drastically different and drastically higher score. So not going to fault you for getting different at wide receiver at all, because frankly, that's what I do. I just chose to do it with the second tight end and Mark Andrews this week. That was really the only difference. Yeah. So let's touch on our GPP lineups really quick. I, I'll tell you, I had a pretty good day with um, the $75 single entry. I can't remember what the name of the contest is. Uh, for whatever reason, that's the contest I'm doing the best in uh, week to week. Uh, it's just completely random, but I put up 162.22 points. The reason I wanted to bring this one up though, is because on the Thursday show, I had discussed that last year, my best lineup, my most, I think I won something like 7,500 or 10,000. I was second place in a big single entry contest and it was a Josh Allen naked lineup. And so I had actually proposed that as an idea for week 14, because the, the diversification of targets with Josh Allen, it was so wide with, of course, Dawson Knox, Cole Beasley, Stefan Diggs, uh, uh, Sanders. There was just a lot of targets there. So I thought, listen, instead of picking the right target, let me just play Josh Allen naked. And, and it ended, ended up really kind of getting there for me. So my lineup was Josh Allen, Alvin Kamara, 
Austin Eckler. So there, I'm, I'm sort of copying what Frank did with his cash lineup with playing those two studs. Mike Evans getting the discount off of Chris Godwin by 500 in DraftKings. Hunter Renfro, which I'm playing. I play this guy every week. Uh, Keelan Cole, that was probably where I stepped wrong. I probably should have gone chalk there. But again, we're talking GPP now. So I'm trying to pass the field with Keelan Cole. I'm not necessarily trying to join them. Again, it probably ended up being a mistake because it is a New York Jets passing offense. Austin Hooper and Jeff Wilson. Jeff Wilson, I wasn't super excited about. Oh, and by the way, the Texans defense, which which was uh, not very good. Uh, Jeff Wilson, I wasn't excited about, but I, I needed the money there. So um, any thoughts here? I mean, I, I really like what I did up top with Josh Allen. I don't mind, obviously, that I didn't correlate him. I did bring him back with a Mike Evans play, uh, which, you know, I was getting the discount off Godwin. So I kind of had to do that. The only outlier plays were, were probably Keelan Cole. And for me, even though he was chalky, Jeff Wilson, uh, any comments with this lineup? Uh, no real comments with the lineup other than like the, the Keelan Cole play, for example. For me, it just projected as a week where you would jam one of the two uh, Chargers value yeah. wide receivers in, in most mm-hmm. of those spots, uh, especially once Mike Williams was ruled in. It definitely capped the ownership on those guys more than than we were really anticipating. So mm-hmm. I think in hindsight, when you go back and look at like where they fell ownership wise, you're probably like, OK, well, if I would have known that, I probably would have played them right um yeah. so that that's the only thing i would mention there other than that you just it, you know ran bad with heckler really yeah it, it's interesting because you know i always kind of look back especially my best lineup like if i had just made this tweak and the keelan cole to guyton or josh palmer it would have been an easy tweak to make and i i you know that difference in scoring would have would have really raised uh big kind of big time what what I what my return was but you know you, you kind of live and learn I I kind of took a big swing there with Keelan Cole and I just I didn't come up with anything except air uh, Mike 137.58 points in your GPP lineup you'll lead with Lamar Jackson so well that's not great right because he gets injured <laughs> early uh, relatively early I should say and that that's just going to kill your lineup yet this one did make the cash right Mike Yes, this one did make the cash in cash games. Uh, I just slipped out on some of the tournaments there. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, Lamar, um, very pleased with everything I saw. Basically, it's it's my favorite thing to, to see, right? Talked about all week. I'm going to play Lamar Jackson. I'm going to pair him with Mark Andrews. I expect both to be single digits. Lamar came in 3% owned. Mark Andrews, 5% owned. The bring back Jarvis Landry, 8% owned. Just mm-hmm. like absolutely beautiful in terms of getting exposure to high volume pieces in a game that, you know, it has a lower total. Not a lot of people want to play it, but they're NFL teams in a division game. Like the, you saw them get to 24, 22, like either of these teams can easily put up 30 points on any given week. Right. So especially yeah. Lamar, uh, in this spot. So yeah, it got there. Um, if you look at the lineup, it's nearly identical to my other one. Right. So the mm-hmm. only differences you really see here, uh, you know, I, I didn't get Hunter Renfro in here. Uh, ended up having to get Jarvis Landry and Austin Hooper together with Mark Andrews. But other than that, it's basically Lamar Jackson, Jarvis Landry versus Taysom Hill and uh, Hunter Renfro. Those the only is a 2v2 swap. Yeah, I actually And the love- defense, sorry, yeah. the defense. The Saints versus the, the Washington football team is the, right. the third swap. The upside of this lineup is tremendous. Just to go over it real quick, Lamar Jackson, Alvin Kamara, Antonio Gibson. I mean, that's just a beautiful start, at least in theory, pregame. Tyreek Hill, I mean, just again, we're looking at upside here in GPPs. Jarvis Landry, we knew he was going to be a target monster. Josh Palmer, Austin Hooper, Mark Andrews, Washington football team defense. If Lamar stays healthy and Antonio Gibson has any sort of like decent game, this this really could be a lot. And of course, Tyreek Hill got a little banged up too. I mean, this this is a lineup that didn't benefit from, from injury whatsoever, but the 
this lineup really could have popped. I mean, this, this this felt like a game. This felt like a tournament winning lineup to me, especially with Lamar being so low owned. Yeah, no, I, I got exactly what I wanted on it. Um, and, and, you know, I'll probably get a few questions about like Landry and Hooper together in the same lineup. Not something I would normally recommend. However, in this case, it was okay just because of the number of players who were out on the pass catching, right? And then you mm-hmm. run through the game script needed. If Lamar and Mark Andrews get there, there's either there's one of two game scripts going on. One game script could have possibly been that Nick Chubb just ran all over them and they're trailing big. The other one is you have competitive game, game where Lamar Jackson is hitting Mark Andrews, they're scoring points, and the run isn't working. They're having to throw to Jarvis Landry and Austin Hooper. Where, you know, outside of those two, Donovan Peoples-Jones is really all they had to throw to. Mm-hmm. Um, so just knowing that the price points here, 5400 3400 much different than running it back with two $6,500 players. Yeah, I totally get that. And and I, I I hope for everybody listening, you know, because I know I know me as a listener, if I, you know, I see the title of the Tuesday show and it's it's a recap of week 14 and then it's, oh, great, early pricing, week 15. Like, I, I want to hear that. I hope people understand sort of how important it is when when people like Mike or, or sometimes myself go through or Frank too go through sort of our mental impressions in terms of what we were thinking, you know, going in and, and just the ownership and the upside and things of that nature, because it's, it's super important because I honestly, that lineup that you played, Mike, I didn't want to play that lineup. I didn't want to play Lamar Jackson, but especially knowing what Huntley did to that Cleveland defense in the second half. I mean, if Lamar pops off there, you are passing the entire field with Lamar Jackson. It's just one of those leverage plays that, wow, this guy, you know, expected fantasy points week to week. He's, you know, probably in the top three every single week, yet nobody wanted to play him. So I just think it's a super smart play. And and I love listening to, to kind of what your mental impressions are kind of going through that. Yeah. Okay. So we have Frank's lineup. So is Frank's GPP lineup? Tom Brady, which can't argue with that. Alvin Kamara, Antonio Gibson, Amari Cooper. So he's getting the discount off of CeeDee Lamb there. Josh Palmer, Jamison Crowder. I'm I'm never going to be a big fan of of Jamison Crowder in fantasy. uh, But again, I played Keelan Cole. So who am I to criticize? Dawson Knox, super smart play. Chris Godwin, Panthers defense. So uh, Mike, to me, this is a pretty great lineup. I mean, does he correlate? Yeah, he correlates Tom Brady with Chris Godwin. Uh, that makes a ton of sense. You're getting Kamar and Gibson, high volume guys. Getting the Amari Cooper discount certainly makes sense to me. Again, if I'm going to criticize something, it's probably going to be Jamison Crowder. I believe he was 4,700 or 4,900 on DraftKings. I think maybe you could have done something different with with that money. Outside of that, though, I, I love getting Dawson Knox. Uh, I don't really have a big problem with this lineup. Any thoughts here? Uh, no, I mean, yeah, you mentioned it just like the, the Julio Jones play, the Crowder play, um, just plays that I personally don't love just because they're, they're not minimum salary type players uh, and they're garnering a lot of ownership and attention, not necessarily on the Julio side, but on the Crowder side. Um, and then maybe the defense, I don't know how popular was did the, the, the Panthers end up being, um, Panthers were 28% in this. See, that's form. my, that's the only thing that I would, would caution with. Um, so in those situations, uh, in a in a GPP, if you're going to play a defense like that, I need to correlate it. Um, if it's you know, and you may not be looking at ownership projections on defenses, but if we think a defense is going to be popular, say double digits, um, I only way I'm playing them is if I'm correlating it hard with that team. So it mm-hmm. might be like quarterback and his defense, or running back for sure and defense things like that to get unique and different. Uh, that's the only 
thing I would talk about. Um, not to go back to mine too much, but I, I played the Washington football team at a very similar price point at 2,500. Mm-hmm. And some might look like, why would you do that? Well, the reason is, is because Antonio Gibson, I'm playing him and I know everyone's playing him. And if Antonio Gibson has a huge day, it's likely because the defense is giving them the opportunity to do it. Mm-hmm. Furthermore, no one's going to play them against a high-powered offense, so I can guarantee that I'm getting that defense at single digits. So I, I'd much rather play that gamble um, with a lower own defense. So that's my. I, other than that, the lineup was beautiful by Frank. I I don't get to Tom Brady often enough, and it typically costs me money by not getting to Tom Brady. And mm-hmm. Frank has been there on, on playing Tom Brady, which has been awesome to see. Yeah, it was pretty discouraging for me. I'll tell you a quick story. My highest uh, entry, uh, my highest entry fee, single entry this last week was a Tom Brady. I believe it was a Tom Brady Chris Godwin lineup, and Josh Jacobs and Antonio Gibson did so poorly at one o'clock. I just had to switch off of it. And, and I, my my that particular lineup was doing so poor because I had Keelan Cole in that lineup. That not only did I have to get different, I had to get super different. I, to me, I had to play guys that like just nobody was going to play and just hope and pray. I think I might have even changed it to Jimmy Garoppolo and Debo or something like that, which really didn't do me any favors ultimately. Keeping keeping Brady in there would have gotten me close to the money, but it certainly wouldn't have gotten me the money. So I would have needed Brady to flop and Jimmy G and Debo to have a, a couple connections. But apparently Debo Samuel's not a receiver anymore, Mike. Um, any thoughts on that? Let me just ask you real quick about Debo before we get to our Are You Serious segment. You know, he's, I guess with Elijah Mitchell back, I would assume Debo, and I think he's coming back this week, um, I would assume Debo is going to sort of assume that wide receiver role again you know he's been so efficient but are we getting to a point where the efficiency is just so extreme that we kind of have to start backing off like could this really last yeah i mean we're definitely gonna have to be careful uh with where we pick our spots on Debo going forward because obviously the price point's not going to decrease much going forward when he keeps landing in the end zone um all i can say on this really is credit kyle shanahan um i mean these guys like they get it. They they understand that he's the best player on the field uh, for the most part. They're like, you put the ball in the best player's hands and let him go be an athlete and figure it out. And he's kept a number of drives alive this season. He's scored a number of big plays that frankly had no business being big touchdown scoring plays that it, the value is just evident. So, you know, as far as what we're doing in DFS, it is going to be harder to get to him. But I, I do think the field as a whole is going to recognize that it's going to be harder to get to him. So I think that you'll be able to use him. And, and where you'll be able to use him, it, it, I wouldn't be doing it in large field tournaments. I'd be doing it in single entries and three max entries where we mm. know the ownership will be suppressed enough and, and people kind of tighten up their process a little bit. Basically, the reason why I love him, and I think the same thing is true for you, people play a little too conservatively in single entry. They typically, a lot of people are just throwing their cash game lineup in it, throwing, mm-hmm. you know, they play too conservatively in those type of contests. So that's where you're going to be looking to use him. But I do agree that we'll have to avoid him in some of the larger field stuff. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, so let's get to, so we are going to get to the winner of the FFT DFS contest, uh, contest and just uh, really quickly touch on his lineup. Uh, congrats to Brew Crew 9 But the Are You Serious segment, Mike, was there anybody that just left you kind of empty, telling yourself, asking yourself, are you serious? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely the entire Washington football team, frankly. Uh, at yeah. one point, they had given up in the second half. They had a first and goal. Antonio Gibson did not get the handoff, did not get the touchdown. 
after that, they picked off Dak Prescott for a pick six. All of a sudden, they're back in the game. He gets to come back in the game, try to finish it out. Um, he was one of, if you looked at my lineups, I played Alvin Kamara. I played Mark Andrews. I played Antonio Gibson in every single lineup that I played this week. Antonio Gibson's five points should have had the touchdown there. Um, I had the defense correlated. They got the, the the interception pick six. Like, are you serious? Come on, guys. So this isn't my are you serious, but but I do have to mention something and a plug for for Sportsline, Mike. Who you know you're you're just the guy at Sportsline among a few other just really unbelievable. Uh, sports bettors in in this industry who are at Sportsline. So everybody check that out and check out the Early Edge show, which I'm on sometimes. Mike is on more often than me. But the reason I bring it up is because I was on the Early Edge prop show on Friday afternoon. And I had I had five props. And one of them, and I went three and two, by the way, one of them was Terry McLaurin over 62 and a half yards. Now he gets injured on some 40-yard kind of, um, you know, Hail Mary ball. It wasn't a Hail Mary. It was basically a jump ball. He comes down with that. And that's probably 40 yards right there. And in garbage time, he probably gets there. But that's not why I'm bringing it up. Taylor Heineke had Terry McLaurin. And I bring this up because it, it was the Washington football team game. There was a busted coverage on Terry McLaurin, who should be the first read every single time. The, the Cowboys were playing zone. And for whatever reason, the cornerback, or the, a safety or, or another corner should have been there. And he wasn't. And when I say wide open, I'm telling you, there was literally nobody there. He would have run for a 65, 70-yard touchdown. Nobody. And he looked to Cam Sims instead and threw in quadruple coverage. If you were watching that game, you might remember there was one pass by Heineke where it just made no sense. There were four Cowboys there ready to intercept, and they basically just collided. Anyway, the point is, man, Washington was just not dialed in. They just weren't ready for Dallas. I think Dallas sped them up so much that they just weren't ready for it because that those defensive ends and linebackers, Micah Parsons in particular, these guys fly around and they get you, you they get you off your block pretty quick. And so I think I think Washington was really kind of victimized by that, completely out of sorts until that interception to the house. And it's like, oh, okay, I guess we suddenly have a shot. So I totally I'm with you on the are you serious? Uh, I'll tell you my are you, are you serious is, is unorthodox, uh, just like it was last week. My are you serious is Sia Najad because I tried to be a hero. And this is a lesson for everybody out there. If you have conviction about a player, and I don't know, maybe Mike, you disagree with this. I had conviction, a conviction about the punt of Keelan Cole off of, you know, Jalen Guyton, Josh Palm, or maybe Laquan Treadwell, you, you want to throw him in there. And so what I did was I was so convinced that he was going to get volume for the first time this season with Zach Wilson at quarterback that I put him in almost every single GPP. I'm like, I'm going to pass everybody with this. And it, I didn't have to do that. I didn't have to go that far. I play a good amount of lineups, <laughs> tournament lineups. I could have had, you know, 50% Josh Palmer, Guyton, and, and maybe 50% Cole. But believe it or not, I went I went extreme there. And, and I understand having conviction around a play that, like, you know, there's trends available for. But Keelan Cole, it just didn't make sense. So I just want to caution everybody out there. And, Mike, maybe you have comments on this. If you have a punt play, if it's truly a punt, and there's really not a lot of data to back it up, Go ahead and throw it in there, but don't make it dominate your GPP lineups, especially not cash, but GPP, because, you know, it can leave you holding the bag, especially when there's other good punt plays out there. Yeah. So the only thing I would comment on that is just try to find good, um, you know, ownership data and, and look and have, you know, have a sense on, you know, if you think you're getting your guy at one to 2%, but the other guys that you might feel as good about that you're trying to pivot from going from one to going from someone who's like eight to 10% to one to two doesn't provide much leverage in the grand scheme right. of things. Mm -hmm. 
when it does is when you're talking 30 to 40% owned, like a couple weeks ago, or I guess it was last week, you know, before that, Foster Moreau, right, at tight end, that's a spot when it's great to have conviction on some of the others. But when, you know, that, that's the only thing I can really say about it, other than one of my, my favorite old quotes that is misattributed all the time. But the quote goes, it ain't what you know that gets you into trouble. It's what you know for sure that just ain't so. Yeah, exactly. When you're so convinced that you're like, well, this is this is what I'm doing. Yep. And it's like, you got to take a step back sometimes. I totally, that's really good advice. Um, so you'll find this in in the the feed for this podcast, but just don't forget, we've got the uh, Fantasy Football Today DFS contest on DraftKings. It will be available as soon as you listen to this podcast. Uh, and it's, of course, for the main slate, 150 entries. We actually filled it up pretty quick last time. So um, I would definitely encourage you, if you're listening to this right now, just click on the link. It's, it's in the Apple podcast feed, and we'll be promoting it on Twitter as well. It's only $5, top 15 get paid out uh this week brew crew 091 with the line with a with a total of 183.70 points very good lineup brew crew 09 had Taysom hill alvin kamara javante williams mike evans mike williams hunter renfro jeff swain who scored seven and a half points at 1.3 percent uh tyler lockett who was you know we we touched on him a little bit we know he can break slates i just i just didn't end up getting to him, uh, and the Jaguars defense. So it was really Tyler Lockett that really stole the show for him. Uh, Javante Williams, certainly a smart play there, uh, especially with Melvin Gordon coming back and some of that ownership dropping off of Javante. He still was pretty popular, but not as popular as expected. Uh, yeah, this is a great lineup. Mike, any comments here? We talked about most of these guys. Uh, obviously, Tyler Lockett is a great GPP play. Great GPP play. Happy to talk about it. I'm happy uh, for the user that won this. I am also incredibly jealous because early in the week, I had Javante Williams. I talked about him a lot. I had him as a, a poster boy on Sportsline. I had him in our cheat sheet. I ended up with Antonio Gibson instead. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason why is Javante was going to be popular still based off the ownership that I was looking at. I didn't feel comfortable with the ownership knowing that Melvin Gordon was back. Had I stuck with Javante, it's, you know, you know, high five, low six figure day for me. Um, wow. Very, yeah, it's just, you know, I'm putting up 173, 175 with five points from Antonio Gibson versus the Javante. But other than that, um, I'm very happy for this user. I think they did a great job. I love that they played Kamara in there. I love that you got Tyler Lockett in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, beautiful lineup and congratulations on winning. Yeah, I mean, this this lineup just screams upside, especially when you throw Tyler Lockett in your flex instead of one of the chalky running backs, yep. which is exactly what I did. I would have had, you know, Josh Jacobs in there or maybe Antonio Gibson. And frankly, Javante Williams should have had an even bigger game. I mean, and I'm not even taking anything away from Melvin Gordon. He's a good running back. But, you know, Javante gets a couple more goal line carries or just a couple more carries, and, and he's going to break another one. That That's how well he's been running oh, the last few weeks. Not even that – Melvin Gordon left the game with an injury again. Mm-hmm. He, he had an injury. He, I, I got all the tweets, too. He left. He went to the tent, came back in, and scored a touchdown after that. Like, I, yeah, you could have definitely had another touchdown from Javante in that game. It's the, the ups and downs of fantasy football because that happened in the first quarter. And you're like, oh, my. If you have Javante, you're like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to win, like, five different tournaments. Javante's just going to run against Detroit. So, yeah, that, that Melvin just – he's going to play. He's going to put his stamp on every game. The Don, Frank's dad, finished fifth overall in this contest and now has cashed twice this season, which is not easy to do. So, congratulations to the Don. We're going to have his sneaky – picks on Thursday's game-by-game breakdown. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to come back with early Week 15 pricing. 
Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. You ready for this? Yeah. If is the most original and heartfelt movie in years. Magic like this comes around once in a lifetime. This Friday, experience it with your whole family. Can we do it again? If ready PG. We are back and Mike, we've got early week 15 pricing. Listen, we've got no bye weeks, but we do have some unexpected buys, if you will, because I think a lot of people are going to be out with COVID. Any particular way to address this? I mean, obviously it's early in the week, so there's not much we can do other than just wait and listen to the news. Is there anything that you anticipate though with with respect to the main slate? I mentioned at the, the front part of the show, I expect some value to open up. Is it the kind of thing where maybe we shouldn't be chasing that value? Obviously it depends. Uh, anything that maybe you're thinking of with with a bunch of guys that might be out? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think where I'm going initially is, is going to be right to the Rams side. You know, we'll see if there's any additional ones, but we, we have to highlight Odo Beckham getting ruled out. Odo Beckham, by the way, looked fantastic last mm-hmm. night. He, you know, obviously you could say what you want about Cooper Cup, the defense. He might have won that game for them single-handedly. He had a few really, really, really big plays at really high-leverage spots. Obviously, Matthew Stafford was fantastic as well. But he, anyway, he's on the COVID list. He's out. Um, division game against Seattle. You know, he came in. He's done a good job replacing Robert Woods so far. But man, if Higby is also on the list, if he's unable to go in this one for some reason, they are really, really, really thin there. Um, and we could see a lot more Van Jefferson. It could be. Fade Cooper Cup at your own risk week once again. Uh, mm-hmm. I know Frank would like to say that if he were here right now. Uh, but that's the one that stands out to me immediately. Other than that, I believe we are up to 64 players added to the COVID list in the last 48 hours. Wow, that's amazing. So one thing to consider just when you're looking at these games from a macro standpoint, we have zero games right now with a 50-point total, two at 47 or higher. That's the Cardinals and the Lions, uh, 47 and a half, uh, Seahawks and Rams at 47. So uh, big injuries to monitor outside of, of some of the COVID issues. Josh Allen's foot sprain, I personally think that's going to be a slightly bigger problem than, than people are leading on right now. Uh, Lamar Jackson's ankle sprain, I don't have a particular opinion on that. It looks like he's going to try to play. Play. Uh, DeAndre Swift's shoulder. Um, that sort of implicates a lot of just some of these like third and fourth tier running backs like Craig Reynolds, for example. Uh, DJ Moore's hamstring. And then, of course, uh, we'll talk about the COVID situations as the week progresses, particularly on Thursday. But let's talk about QBs real quick, um, Mike. We've got one QB over 8K on DraftKings, and that is Josh Allen at 8,100. Uh, just below 8,100 in this sort of elite range, Kyler Murray at Detroit. Aaron Rodgers at Baltimore, Lamar Jackson versus Green Bay, Matthew Stafford versus Seattle. Uh, anybody that's sort of popping for you in this sort of top range here? Yeah, so the the problem is two of them that pop for me are uh, injured. <laughs> Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson. And I want to comment on Lamar quickly. So normally like an ankle sprain that's like not a high ankle sprain, like not a concern. The problem is with Lamar, a lot of his value is derived from his ability to run and his ability mm-hmm. to be mobile. So I am a little more worried about it just because like it, it 
basically what you're doing when he's playing with an ankle sprain. You're getting a look at what Lamar might look like in five years. As he gets a little bit older, he's getting mm-hmm. beat up a little bit more. Like that's what you're frankly getting a look at. So I'm a little worried about it, but I do love Lamar again. I like the Ravens again. Uh, at 7,200, no one's going to play him. It's going to be a run it back situation as last week for me personally. So mm-hmm. I like that a lot. Um, other than that, I, I'll have some interest in Matthew Stafford, um, especially if they remain so beat up. I, I think that that game's going to ultimately become very, very competitive against Seattle. Um, other than that, I'm trying to look here at some of my initial run. I mean, I I think you could play Tua against the Jets if you want to. Uh, yeah. He's only 5,700 if you need some value. But, man, there's not a lot jumping off the page. Right now, at this point in the season, I'm going to be looking for uh, – better quarterbacks that are going to need to go out and win football games for their teams. Yeah, I'll tell you, the, the few guys I have my eyes on, uh, Kyler Murray uh, at Detroit. I mean, really anybody at Detroit is going to be great. But I do like Kyler Murray. I do want to monitor his practice. It looked like both him and James Conner had some issues at the very end of the game. Kyler Murray looked kind of beat up really for almost the entire second half. I mean, he was getting pushed around yeah. a little bit. So I want to make sure his ankle is okay and, and he's operating on all cylinders. If it is, I may play, play Kyler uh, – excuse me, um, Kyler Murray, like I played Josh Allen last week, which is naked. I, I don't really know who to pair him with, especially if Chase Edmonds is back. And you, you, so that's another potential pass catcher. But then, of course, you have Zach Ertz, you have DeAndre Hopkins, Christian Kirk, Rondale Moore, AJ Green, who really looks great. I mean, if I was going to maybe try to find some value, it might be with AJ Green, who seems to be. Uh, getting more targets than I would have anticipated this year. So I do like Kyler Murray quite a bit. I'll, I see myself paying up for him. I like Matt Stafford a lot as well. Uh, I think this is a, a great situation for him. I think Dak Prescott is really interesting. I think most people will say, well, listen, the Giants aren't going to push back too much. Uh, but it is at New York. And it, it, I don't I don't really see with a beat-up running back core, we'll have to monitor Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott. I kind of see Dak showcasing his arm in in this game. And and I think pairing Dak with a a CD Lamb, for example, or an Amari Cooper makes a ton of sense in in this situation, regardless of how many points the Giants put up. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo at 5,800. I'm not really a Jimmy G guy, but I I can't ignore the fact that he really is throwing the ball well and they're not really running the ball, uh, particularly. I I don't want to say they're not running it well, but they're not running it a lot. So the point is, if, if Eli Mitchell is back, I'm off Jimmy G, but if he's not back, I think Jimmy G will be sort of forced to throw it a little bit more against a pretty soft Atlanta defense that creates almost zero pressure. So I think at 5,800, he's a good savings. And then Tua, I totally agree. I think Tua is definitely in play. Um, So let's go to the running back position. We have, like, we have the highest, this is interesting because this is an interesting slate. There's a lot of really good teams and good running backs that aren't on this slate because remember, we have two Saturday games. We have the Thursday game. Najee Harris is the highest priced running back at 7,800 on FanDuel. He's 8,800 highest priced running backs on both sites. So in other words, Najee Harris is going to be your highest priced running back. Um, Two other running backs over 7k Ezekiel Elliott and Joe Mixon. Uh, Anybody in this elite range that you like? I mean, honestly, not yet. I'm expecting some value to open up, but uh, mm. it, it might be more Javante Williams. I mean, he's only 6,100. <laughs> I don't like the top that much. Um, one other comment, though, you mentioned Najee Harris because we I failed to get there in quarterback. I actually kind of like Big Ben at 5,600, must-win game at mm-hmm. home against a Titans team that's kind of really, you know, they beat the Jags, obviously, but they're kind of struggling to get to the finish line here. They, they're really mm-hmm. decimated. Um, so I, I like Big Ben, and if I do like Big Ben, I could see pairing him with Najee. But uh, 
at the top, man, I like, I, I don't love Saquon. Um, I know the price point's good, but I don't love him against Dallas. Ezekiel Elliott, we'll see if he's truly healthy. We'll see the status of Pollard uh, before I feel comfortable deploying him everywhere there. Um, yeah, there, there's a severe lack of top-tier running backs, in my opinion, on this slate. Yeah, I'll mention a couple running backs that I like. I agree with you on that top tier. This is, you know, this is going to be one of those where everybody who's listening, when you scroll the running back position, you're you're almost going to feel like there's there's people missing. Like DraftKings made a mistake yeah. because you'll keep scrolling, you'll be like, "Man, I don't really like this guy. I don't really like this guy." So I'm I'm really intrigued by our Thursday show because I know by then I'm going to have some conviction behind some of these guys and Mike, of course, you and and Frank will as well. I did want to point out one thing because we are in December and weather does matter. Um, I'm not seeing anything from a wind or precipitation standpoint. Again, it's super early in the week. So, you know, take this for what it's worth, but I'm not seeing anything that's sort of prohibitive with respect to uh, passing games specifically. We have some potentially somewhat windy conditions, but nothing over 15 miles per hour. Again, it's still early. Uh, the, The windiest games I see right now are uh, the New York Giants game at home against Dallas and the the Eagles at home against the Washington football team. Uh, let's see. It looks like there might be some wind in Baltimore as well, but I'm not seeing much by way of wind or precipitation. So I just wanted to point that out. If for nothing else, make sure you monitor that. You know, Don't make decisions without looking at the weather in December. It probably won't matter. It, the, the weather probably won't impact your games in the entirety of December, but it might. So it's something you want to just take a glance at. Yeah, at the running back position, I guess I might like Najee, but I'm not a super huge fan of him. I dropped down all the way to the 6,100 range. Javante Williams at 6,100 I think is a value. I think Antonio Gibson um, is a value. It's at Philly, somewhat of a tough matchup. But again, he should be, even with McKissick back, I think he'll still have a a pretty big role. Again, there's going to be value that opens up, like David Johnson and Royce Freeman, sub 5K, I I think are actually in play. You know, they're on the same team, so we'll have to kind of monitor that. Royce got a lot of run last week. Michael Carter's in play. I think Amir Abdullah is in play at 4,400. He gets a lot of work, and he's getting all of the passing down work. Craig Reynolds, of course, Boston Scott at 4,200. And then we'll have to see how the Miami Dolphins running back situation plays out. I won't really be excited about the Miami running back situation. But again, if we're trying to open up value and maybe stack at wide receiver, it's going to be a very easy week to do that because there's going to be a lot of low end, low hanging fruit at the running back position. Uh, With that said, Mike, let's go to the wide receiver position. We have, oh, who's that? Cooper Cup, 9K on both DK and FanDuel, highest priced player on both sides. We have two more over 8,000. That's Devontae Adams at 8,900 and Debo Samuel at 8,200. Deontay Johnson priced up to 7,500 versus Tennessee. We have Jalen Waddle priced up to 6,600 versus the New York Jets. DK Metcalf at 6,200. Some other values. Uh, Odell Beckham, well, he was a value at 5,400, but he is out. So we're going to have to look at you know guys like Van Jefferson. Maybe Skoranek might might be in play if you're if you're looking for value. Uh, Cole Beasley versus Carolina at 4,900. Gabriel Davis at 3,700. It doesn't look like Emmanuel Sanders is going to play. So Gabriel Davis, who was kind of getting looks even before Emmanuel Sanders went out, uh, he's certainly in play as as sort of just a low volume upside guy. Devontae Parker 4,300. Uh, Mike, anybody sort of popping out at you, whether it's the low, mid, or or uh, high range here. Yeah, I mean, it starts and ends with Cooper Cup at the very top, but uh, I could see lineups having Devontae Adams and Cooper Cup. Um, I like Deontay Johnson a lot. I like Gabriel Davis, who you mentioned. Um, Another one who's popping a lot in the Optimizer, which Miami's popping a lot, makes a lot of sense. They're playing the Jets. 
Uh, if you're playing Tua, I could definitely stack him with Devontae Parker. Uh, 4,300, mm-hmm. he's a lot like Gabriel Davis. Um, there are some mouths to feed, but very clearly has upside. Those two guys. Uh, and then Laquan, Laquan Treadwell, um, you know, you played him last week. He, he's going to pop and be in play again. Um, at the top, I kind of mentioned Van Jefferson. You mentioned Skoranek. I think both of those guys are going to be in play as well. Um, in the case of Skoranek, I think that you could play him paired with Cooper Cup without um, Matthew Stafford, even if you wanted to. He's that value play that could just get thrown in. Um, you know, we'll see how everything shakes out with more news. The I, I'm anticipating a lot more news, frankly, just mm-hmm. based on the amount of positives we've seen so far within organizations. If some of those are like really legitimate positives, we're almost definitely going to see uh, additional news over the next 24 hours. But as of right now, Cooper Cup, Deontay Johnson, who I almost always love just because of the volume. I mentioned that I love Ben. No one's going to play Ben this week, so I, I like that stack. Um, and then Gabriel Davis, who you mentioned, I don't want any part of Jets wide receivers, so I'm not going to go there. Let's see any other, I mean, Cole Beasley as well. I'll mention Cole Beasley again. Um, I, I think that they're, you know, it, it's a matchup. You're going to be playing a little bit of the, uh, touchdown roulette. I, I expect them to absolutely roll the Carolina Panthers in this game, but, uh, Beasley and Davis definitely going to be in the player pool. You want to hear something kind of ridiculous? So I'm I'm toying around with just making lineups right now as you were speaking. And there is a path, if you wanted to take it, to not, and you mentioned it already, to not only play Cooper Cup and Devontae Adams in the same lineup, but bring bring on Deontay Johnson into that too and stack it with Ben because that's the only value you're going to be able to stack it with in terms of whether whether you want to actually do a stack with one of those three receivers. If you take a punt defense the way the running back situation is, is sort of like coming out here, if you wanted to, you could play those three guys and, and, and play a bunch of tight, um, excuse me, a bunch of punt running backs and maybe a punt tight end, or probably only because you're only playing two running backs, two, two punt running backs, and maybe it's just a middle grade tight end. And that lineup would actually work. And I think if you were going to do that, Mike, and I know you do this anyway, you pay it for receivers yeah. kind of no matter what, but man, like this seems like a pretty good time to do that. Oh, it definitely, definitely projects as a great time to do that. Um, I, I definitely, you know, I mentioned it already. I think that that's where we're going to end up because um, I, I do anticipate enough value opening up. There's not a ton of high ceiling running backs that are going to just absolutely kill you for not rostering them. So, yeah, definitely projects as one of my uh, one of the weeks that I like. But who am I kidding? I like every week. Exactly, exactly. And I'm, I'm trying to scan to see if there's anybody that we haven't mentioned that I like. But I mean, I think this is definitely a time to, to look at that top tier. Um, obviously, if you wanted to pivot off cup, I think Van Jefferson is in play with Odell Beckham being out. Now, Van Jefferson has been priced up to 5600. So I, I actually expected him to be a, a touch lower than that. Um, but again, there's so much news that we'll have on Thursday with respect to a lot of these receivers and running backs. So we'll kind of evaluate that further on our game by game breakdown. So let's go to the tight end position before before we close the show with uh, maybe some Thursday night football showdown sh- uh, showdown thoughts. So we got George Kittle at the top at 7,500. No surprise there. Man, this guy's fun to watch, right, Mike? I mean, it, it is it is different watching George Kittle than, let's say, Mark Andrews or even Travis Kelsey or Darren Waller. Like, Kittle somehow makes, like, football even more exciting than it already is. It's just he's just yep. such an athletic freak and he plays with a certain moxie and a certain passion that you just don't see forget about tight ends just you don't see in general. It's it's pretty amazing. Uh he's, you know, where he should be at 7500. Just 2 weeks ago this guy was 5900. 
and we were talking about playing him because we we're like, listen, you're never going to see this guy at this price again. Uh, he's in such a smash spot. So George Kittle, 7,500. We got your boy, Mark Andrews at 6,400. Kyle Pitts all, all the way down to 5,500 now as the third highest priced tight end. And then it really kind of falls off from there. We got Zach Ertz, uh, Dallas Goddard, Hawkinson, who I, I don't think is playing. Uh, Dawson Knox at 5,100. And then we can kind of go into the punts if we want. But anybody sort of popping to you in any of these ranges at tight end? I mean, look, I'm going to be back in on Mark Andrews. I love the Ravens when they're playing games that they must win. And they have this unique ability to just be competitive in almost every game that they play, right? Mm -hmm. And I expect that to be true here. Uh, you know, we need to see the status of Lamar. But even without, you know, if you watch the end of that game, some of it was a little garbage time-esque. But, you know, Mark Andrews was heavily involved, and he's still going to be heavily involved. Uh, we expect, at worst, a very, very competitive game. With, with, with Green Bay. If not, it's going to be a negative game script or a positive game script for him as they should be gaining yardage, chunk yardage at the end of those situations. So I like Mark Andrews. I think it's a good discount from George Kittle in a game for Kittle that they might become more healthy as a team and they may not need to rely on him as much. Uh, I think it could be a time to pivot away from George Kittle at mm. this high price point. Um, so I, I do like Andrews. I think that Dallas Goddard is interesting. He ran really well with the touchdown variance in the last game. Uh, but I, I expect a very competitive game against Washington, right? I, I think that that one's going to be fantastic. Um, other than that, I think we got to wait for some of the injury news, uh, particularly with Tyler Higby against Seattle. Uh, if he's out and they're without Odell Beckham, um, that, that's definitely a situation where we're going to have some value. Um, but at, at this point in the week, there's no obvious uh, – massive massive punt tight end value that i see so for me it's going to be try to play some mark andrews yeah i i agree with that it, it, the punt tight end value i mean we, we can talk about brevin jordan who had seven targets caught four of them not for too many yards but he's 2800 and then you mentioned if higby's out and odell beckham's out i suppose you could make an argument that kendall blanton will get you know, a few more targets. If he got five targets and, and caught three of them, he's going to pay off his $2,500 price tag. So that's something to consider. Um, but yeah, you're right. This, it, it, this isn't one of, it doesn't feel like one of those weeks where there's a ton of value in terms of the punt tight end. So that Mark Andrews call makes a lot of sense, especially if, if Lamar's kind of banged up, maybe people will be off him a bit. Yeah, and the only other one I'll mention is in the same game. Uh, it's projecting a lot like last week. I, I played Hooper and Mark Andrews in almost every lineup together, double tight ends. Mm -hmm. I could see getting there again. If you like Mark Andrews, I do think you could put him in the flex spot and punt with either Mercedes Lewis or Josiah Deguerra. Uh, the tight ends were heavily involved for the Packers. Um, seven targets, they caught all seven of them, almost 100 yards receiving. Uh, that you know, this projects as a spot there where Aaron Rodgers is obviously still going to want to throw the football. You know, you're playing a little, playing with fire a little bit, but at 2,700 and 2,500, basically as cheap as you could possibly get, uh, I think you could do a lot worse if you're trying to stack up games and tournaments. Yeah, one other guy I do want to point out at 5,000 is Mike Gusecki. Now, if you believe in touchdown regression, you'd believe that maybe he's actually going to fall in the end zone one of these days. But just last week, he had 11 targets. I mean, that's that's pretty significant. He caught seven of them. The week before, it was underwhelming. Three targets caught all three. But the, the week before that, six, then seven, then eight, four, eight, nine, seven. Like, this guy really is getting a tremendous amount of targets. You're just not really seeing the payoff because he hasn't scored a touchdown in about six games. So something to consider given their opponent, uh, the 
the uh, New York Jets. Miami's playing at home. I know Devontae Parker is back, and, and those targets will be kind of spread kind of thin, but it does seem like it might be a, a pretty solid uh, set of targets for Mike Gusecki. <clears throat> All right. Yeah. Go, do you, uh, yeah. You say I something? just say, yeah. You know, I mentioned two at the top, uh, Parker. Yeah. I mean, I think you could almost like, you could almost double or triple stack uh, Tua here or double stack with a defense and go full on onslaught. I think there's a big time chance that they just absolutely roll the Jets. This is a really interesting game for Tua because as a coaching staff, you'd almost be thinking to yourself, well, we're not going to lose to the Jets. And that's not because Miami is some great team. I mean, they are on a roll, but like they're going to beat the Jets. I mean, it would take just a monumental collapse over four quarters for them to lose, especially with Zach Wilson at the helm. But the thing is, with the running back core so banged up, I got to think, well, not banged up, uh, just out with COVID. I mean, they might be playing Duke Johnson, maybe somebody even like kind of worse than Duke Johnson. So you got to think that they're saying, hey, Tua, this is your time to sort of impress everybody with your arm and hit all these targets that you have. you got Jalen Waddle, you got Mike Gusecki, you've got Devontae Parker back, a, a host of other receivers that he's he's been working well with from, you know, Mac Hollins to Albert Wilson. Like, he's got all the targets that he needs. This really could be, to the extent Tua would ever have a coming out party, it would be this week at home against the New York Jets coming off a bye. I mean, it just would, especially given the running back situation. So I think all these receivers are in play, including Waddle, of course. And I, I do think if you were ever going to double stack uh, Tua, like you said, Mike, it, it would certainly be this week. So uh, let's talk about Thursday real quick. We have, Mike, we have this huge game. We've got the Chargers who are playing pretty well and the Chiefs who are playing very well, particularly defensively. And we haven't really seen offensively the Chiefs really get there yet. They might have to this week, though, because it appears that Chris Jones is going to be out with COVID. Uh, I think you'd agree with me. He is he is the most fundamentally sound, integral part of this defense in terms of creating pressure and helping out the rest of the defense. Um, first of all, just tell me what you think that impact is in terms of how the game environment might switch without Chris Jones. And do you have any plays already for uh, Showdown Thursday night? Yeah, so I think the biggest news here, though, is, is the status of Austin Eckler. Has he already been ruled out of this game? Um, that That's I, good... I don't know about, but he... He would benefit a ton so. from not having Jones, but mm -hmm. yeah, Jones is a massive impact. It helps Justin Herbert. Uh, it obviously gives him more time to throw, helps his Justin Herbert's ability to take off and run. I will say if Austin Eckler is out of this game or limited, uh, you could look to play. Obviously, you're going to play Justin Herbert anyway in a short sleep, but you could look at some of his rushing props on props because I do think he takes off and runs a little bit more in this one. Uh, and then the value, though, it's just going to open up. Like, I'm showing Justin Jackson, Joshua Kelly. Like, those guys are going to take touches again. Um, and and Keenan Allen should be back. But there, there's just a number of moving pieces here still. So you're going to have to monitor it. But I, I think the biggest news is Ke uh, Austin Eckler, who I'm going to try and find out if we have any status update on him. Because I don't think that that looked good. So I'll week. tell you, the, the, the latest on Austin Eckler is – you know, they didn't actually practice today, but they had an estimation of what the practice report would be. And he was listed as a DNP. But uh, head coach said he expects him to play. He and, and, and literally said he's, quote, fine, which, you know, okay. doesn't tell us a lot. But it does tell us that the expectation is that he will be suiting up on on Thursday night. Well, then it certainly helps him. Uh, the combination of, you know, Jones being out, Eckler would definitely be a core piece there. Uh, on the Kansas City side, I I got to keep going back to Clyde Edwards Elaire. Uh, I think they're mm -hmm. going to continue to use him. The Chargers have been kind of a run funnel this season so far. So 
he would definitely be a uh, a core piece for me as well on Thursday. And I'll tell you, ju- this just broke. Uh, Keenan Allen has been removed from the COVID list, so he will be playing right. in this game. So it looks like they'll have the, their full complement of starting receivers. Looks like Eckler's probably going to suit up. But yeah, to your point, how you know what's his condition going to be? We're going to have to uh, you know monitor that tomorrow specifically because uh, obviously Joshua Kelly and Justin Jackson would be in play. Maybe they're in play regardless if if you need some savings. I did want to ask you about Daryl Williams, though. As much as you like CEH, um, Daryl Williams just, to me, looks like the better running back. I, maybe I'm wrong, but Daryl Williams at 4,800, is that somebody? And, and let's just throw out Byron Pringle as well. Are those two guys that might be in play for you? They they can be in play for me for sure. So I'm very concerned on Daryl Williams. Um, I think he's a fantastic play in this kind of format. The price point, 3200 is fair. Um, I might elect to play the kickers instead in this slate because mm-hmm. um, I do expect some points to be put up. So my big concern with Daryl Williams is he had two hand, he had two carries in that game. And yeah. that was a game where they were blowing out the Raiders. Mm-hmm. Like absolutely blowing them out. I you could argue that they blew him out so much they skipped and went to to Gore, but I would have expected him to have you know five, six, seven carries in this game with, with Clyde Edwards Elaire missing some of those. Uh, he hasn't had more than five carries since Clyde Edwards Elaire has come back. So he's getting it all done through the passing game, but we're not seeing massive target share. Uh, in those three games since Clyde Edwards Elaire has been back, he's had three targets in each of those three games. He has just been incredibly efficient with what he's done with those targets. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he had 60 yards for three catches in the week 13 matchup last week, three catches, 31 yards and landed in the end zone. Um, so all I will say there is yes, the 12.9 and the 11 in the last two games look good. That 3.6 against Dallas might be more representative of where he truly is and his role truly fits in in this offense. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. Uh, A couple other notes. I I don't know if we mentioned this. Josh Gordon looks like he was placed on the COVID list. Congratulations to Josh for getting in the end zone last week. Uh, So yeah, a lot of moving parts, including for Thursday night football. Um, Mike, on behalf of Frank and uh, Mike McClure and myself, uh, this has been our Tuesday show. We're going to see you on Thursday for our game-by-game breakdown. Like we always do, we're going to go through every single game on the Sunday main slate. And I will tell you, we will have a short bonus pod for the Saturday slate of games, which we hope will actually happen. There's so many COVID concerns, particularly with the Cleveland Browns, that I suppose there's a possibility of a postponement, but we'll have to wait and see on that. Either way, we're going to have a bonus podcast for that Saturday, that short Saturday slate. And of course, we're going to have our regular game-by-game breakdown. Thank you for joining us today. We'll see you in a couple days, and good luck. 